Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Katie Kerwin with the Charlie the Chicken Mushroom podcast. And I'm here with my friend Jesse Thomas from Sustainable Wellness Montana, um, a new friend of mine, but we've got lots of common friends in the area, people that are like-minded about nutrition and um, food being medicine and all these good things. So I, I did um, reach out to you when I first saw you on Instagram and you had a piece of tinfoil on your head and you were doing a really funny post. I love your posts um, about just how soil health is really a big part of our food system. And when the gooferment, I think you call them, tries to like get involved, it's just um, sometimes a joke and they don't take it as seriously as they should. And um, we could digress into that for a long, long time. But um, I just loved your messaging. I started stalking you on Instagram <laughs> and, um, you're a wellness coach, you're a nutrition coach. Yep. Um, I'll let you speak for yourself, but, um, I just really excited to hear more about sustainable wellness. Um, your ideas about nutrition, you know, Charlie, the chicken mushroom, my project is about healthy habits, starting young, mm-hmm. um, food, definitely being medicine. How can we approach nutrition through variety? I have so many friends that are kind of like on these one-track diets, especially the new trend of the carnivore diet. So love to pick your brain on that because I'm like, you have to eat your vegetables. And other people are like, vegetables are unnecessary. I'm like, oh my (laughs) gosh. So lovely to have you here because I'm just excited to learn um, and share, again, what you do with the world and uh, with our community here in Missoula. So thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is really fun. And um uh, thanks for asking me to come here. So, yes, I am um, by trade technically a health coach, um, but I have invested so many years and so much time and so much of my own energy into studying more functional nutrition. So, how is food informing your biology to function? And um, really, uh, like working with individuals, there's you know there's some people that work on group concepts, and there's some people that like working with individuals and I like working with individuals because I feel like we really have the time to unpack some things and it's not just what I hear them say it's what they hear themselves say and so it will be you know I have initially when I first take in a client it'll be an hour and a half long meeting and we talk about all kinds of stuff and sometimes things come up organically or sometimes I'm kind of like I think I need to ask this question and uh, it really gives a whole comprehensive health history about this person and I wouldn't probably, I wouldn't get that if I didn't have that much time and I definitely wouldn't get that in a group setting. So it's pretty sweet to, um, to get to do that and I really, I just really enjoy the individual person and really connecting with somebody. So and that, yeah, yeah, that one-on-one time is so important and it gets almost like a, I don't want to say like a therapy, like a mini therapy session because I mean an hour and a half with somebody you know, you're talking about maybe their nutrition, but it goes into a whole Sometimes another we're talking realm. about something that happened when they were five years old. Exactly. Sometimes we're th- talking about things that are happening right now. And each person has some unique way that they need something specific. And so to, to have that one-on-one time is awesome. And I feel like in that environment, I can, if the person is open to really integrating changes. I feel like I have the capacity to really help them. And so that's great. And I don't help everybody. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just, I think that in that specific space with that amount of time and that ability to really connect with them, I feel like I, I have a really good shot. We have a good shot of 
kind of co-authoring a new situation for them around their health. And where did your like wellness journey begin? When did you start mm-hmm. to transition from just playing around with your own self and then also like when did that light bulb go off and you're like, I got to get deeper into this? Yeah, uh, that's such a good question. I, um, so when I was a young adult, I had many jobs. I had several jobs. Um, one of my jobs was I was um, cleaning construction sites for a construction company. Um, the other job that I had was um, I was working at a tree nursery and the other job I had was I was working at, um, I don't know what, it was like a restaurant that was established by a woman who had, she was a physician, but she had quit her practice because she felt like she wasn't getting anywhere with her clients. And so she quit her practice. And I don't know where she got all of her education from. Obviously, she had a medical degree um, or, or she was a, you know, a doctor in medicine, but she also had access to understanding nutrition and really in the conventional medical model, nutrition is not something that is focused on. Um, and that's not a criticism against medicine and I really hate that I even have to say that, but it's just not their jam. Mm-hmm. And so she somehow clued into the fact, and this is back in the 90s, like, well, hey, I'm not able to get anywhere with these people because we're not talking about diet and lifestyle. We're just doing like disease management. And she just felt like her soul was dying. And so... She took it upon herself to kind of develop this entire community around her of physicians who felt the same way, and they would take deep dives in trying to understand what does food, how does food play with our physiology? And so I, as a young adult, had access to um, this information. I would go to work, and we had work days where we just sat and listened to a lecture, you know, a two-hour lecture from a physician who would come in and talk about nutrition. And really the whole kind of cornerstone piece about nutrition at that point was let's talk about inflammation. They had this understanding that if someone's got high inflammatory markers, that that maybe is something that can be addressed through nutrition. And that is absolutely correct, um, nutrition and lifestyle, but it wasn't always maybe considered why, like what's causing that? Why is that being, uh, why is that happening? And so that was kind of the rudimentary start and it was back in the 90s and it you know it feels like forever ago but i mean so much of what i learned was so foundational to understanding um more later and so at the time i was working at this restaurant and we were using nutrition to help i mean people came in with chronic health conditions it wasn't like really a restaurant it was more of like a juice bar and like mm-hmm. we did make some food but really all of it was oriented around how to heal the body and so really sick people were coming in with really serious conditions and they were seeing improvements and it felt so cool to like work with these people to get to know their stories and to get to talk to them and and they felt hopeful about coming in because they were feeling the difference so it was like yeah it was like such a cool win-win situation it's amazing to see it like in action right like again she was like i'm not like the lady you were working with was struggling you know with her soul saying i don't see any change and then to see change right in front of you for the people coming yeah. back something, you know day after day something about her environment in a medical setting felt so out of alignment for her and she pulled the plug and she left and did something totally radically different and you know back in the 90s i think you would absolutely 100 percent be considered a quack or a, a lunatic for for doing that but she didn't care she didn't care. And I loved her because she took me under her wing. I loved going to work. I worked so, I was such a hard worker. I mean, I was so open to the messages I was getting there. And um, she took me under her wing and she really um, helped me grow as into an adult. And 
you know, at the same time I was working there, I was also working at this tree nursery and I was lit. I mean, I was um, one irrigation, one small irrigation ditch away from a conventional cornfield and I would go to work and I wasn't just exposed to pesticides. I was literally being crop dusted with pesticides. So I had a number of hormonal imbalances and I, they were really affecting me. And I had also nutritional deficiencies that were really affecting my quality of life. But as a teenager and parents who were working class parents, not a lot of time on their hands, they were like, hey, whatever, you know, like whatever the doctor says, that's what you do. And there wasn't a whole lot of investigation beyond that point. And I wasn't thinking, you know, I was getting all this information at this place with this woman about nutrition, but I wasn't thinking about me. Um, but I did go to work and I did get to ingest, you know, I got to, I got, I got to. Lucky you. I, know, I got, <laughs> I got to, she's like, I got to. So it wasn't like I was just hearing the information. No, you're experiencing the information. experiencing yeah. it. Yeah. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And I mean, brain fog went away. My energy levels increased. And I just was like, wow, I just know I feel better when I'm giving my body what it needs. The other cool thing about this woman, and this was not you know, a conversation, organics existed, but this was not a conversation that um, was happening. But I don't know, I again, I wish I could go back and and talk to her. I did try to look her up and she has passed away since and that's been sad to learn. But I wanted to know more about why, because she would grow food. Not only was she like good at understanding how food worked with our physiology, but she was also good at, at growing the food. And so there was a qualitative difference between the food that you would just get at the store and the food that you would get from her from her place. Mm-hmm. And she put her whole heart and soul into all of it. And so that was incredible. And it was kind of the first experience I had with kind of like cooling and like, well, that's different than what I would get somewhere else. And I, you know, my parents didn't really think about like how to dedicate money to a, like a, a food. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of like, commodity cheese and it was still the 90s right so it was cereal for breakfast that was even even earlier that was the 80s and so yeah we were eating like not even wonder bread it was like offshoot wonder bread and like offshoot margarine that was like one carboxyl group away from plastic and these were just the regular things so then when I had all these health things come up and my mom was just like I don't know I mean let's go to the doctor and so what what was this standard package it's not too much of a diff. It's not too much different than a standard package that you get now. Iron pills. I was also an athlete at the time, so I was running a lot. You get iron pills. You get birth control pills, and then you get maybe antidepressants if you're, you know, not happy. <laughs> How old were you when you were going for this? Like when you were not when you started to feel the symptoms and you went to the when doctor. When I started to feel the symptoms, that's a good question, and I'm I'm gonna guess here. I would say probably sixteen. Mm-hmm. 17 all the way through my 20s um and I just didn't you know again I had this experience where I was getting to you know taste I was getting to taste what it felt like to get out of fatigue and get out of brain fog but I wasn't um necessarily like embracing it as a lifestyle change and at that age I mean it would be so counterculture to even do that so it wasn't like super accessible to me outside of that environment Mm -hmm. but it definitely planted the seed for what I came back to. And so after that experience, I moved on and I spent, you know, quite a, quite a few years as a wildland firefighter and a smoke jumper. And, 
um, I knew nutrition was important. I knew that feeding my body meant that I was going to perform better at my job. And so the, there was some basic tenets around nutrition, but it wasn't like maybe as deliberate as it is now. But um, yeah, so I kind of had that connection piece but when you're jumping and you're, you're, you know, you're just eating whatever you get. Whatever in the they box. give you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my, hus- so, my husband has a firefighter. Yeah. Like, I mean, and you've got people that in the off season, they're training and they're doing nutrition and they're, and they're maybe they're vegan or vegetarian or whatever their diet may be. And then they go into the wild fire world yeah. for that season. And like just whatever Train is on the wreck. line. Yeah. <laughs> like just, I mean, whatever you can get your hands on the calories is, is yeah, what you're all, what you're after. Is so, so important. And that's why, I mean, one of the reasons I started my business was because I was seeing some of these athletes and I was just like, that is just such an easy change. Like you can just easily fuel yourself one adequately get enough calories in. And then two, think about the quality and what it is. And I'm like, that's so easy. And like, you would, you would perform better as an athlete. You'd have a higher quality of life. I mean, I'm like, I was like going for the easy button. I was like, that's pretty easy. But then, you know, really as I've progressed down this road and this journey, um, so much of what I have come to understand is that I don't know that we need more information. I mean, we do, but what we need to understand is that we have a relationship with food and our lifestyle choices. And there are some people that have this kind of relationship with food and lifestyle. And there are some people that have that kind of relationship and then everything in between. And so really that's kind of like why that one-on-one experience is great because then we really get a chance to unpack that. And I get to be witness to somebody um, working through some of those things that maybe they never observed of themselves before. Mm -hmm. You know, most of the time, and for me, if someone comes to me and they're like, just tell me what to eat. I'm yeah. like, red flag. <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. It's deeper than that. It's I know deeper where we're going that. with this and well, it is I mean, not what all, to eat. <laughs> I don't know. We all have this connection to food, right? I mean, it's so so nostalgic and maybe your connection is, you know, you grew up without. So you 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 mm-hmm. run on scarcity or sometimes totally. you run on excess. Or my mom was um, doing Slim Fast and V8, you know, and so I didn't have my first real Cheez-It till I was like 14. I was eating the reduced <laughs> fat Cheez-Its. My oh whole my life, and then I was at school one day, and somebody gave me like a real cheese. It, I thought my brain was gonna explode, and I was like, "What is this flavor? Butter, like salt?" <gasps> There's so that whole reduced fat era, right? That whole thing with like low fat was... dressings and all that. It was not good, right? It was like not good. And we have to understand that we are the product of, by and large, we are the product of our ancestors. We are the product of our ancestors' understanding of food. But then in the last 70 years, we are also the product of heavy marketing around food. Because, and, and every one of our mothers has been hurt by the messages of losing weight. Every single woman. Not, and men too. This isn't just mm-hmm. about exclusive to women. But, so we have to understand that. That it happened to all of us. And when we get that under our belts, it's like, okay, so what does that mean for me? Like, how does that influence what I do or don't do? Um, and every single woman um, has a story to tell there. And, and men, too. I mean, I, I can't say that. It's just women. Cause yeah. It's really I mean, yeah. Nice. Body image for all of us and the marketing that goes into all of it. I mean. Yeah. I mean, my mom was, so I'm a twin, and my mom was pregnant with my sister and I. And this is right around the time that really ultrasounds became more of a standard of care. But she didn't get an ultrasound until she was seven months pregnant. And her doctor was simply going off of a weight chart 
how much you're gaining how much weight and so there was this constant badgering throughout her pregnancy about her weight and she was told to go on a diet she was she was told to reduce the number of calories that she was Mm. eating as a pregnant woman with twins and you know i i watched my mom for my entire childhood really struggle with food and it wasn't like i don't think to her in her mind that she was struggling with food but she struggled with you know getting enough calories and eating and it was all about the conversation was all about calories Mm -hmm. and that is such a wrong conversation to have when we're talking about food because there are just basic tenets to our physiology and one of them is yeah we need to have calories and women are out of the two genders the most attuned physically to sensing scarcity and so when we think about metabolism and we think about what's happening in this country with people's metabolisms it's a very messy story because it's not a one-size-fits-all some people's metabolisms are screwed up because they're not getting enough calories some people's metabolism are screwed up because they're being exposed to endocrine disrupting chemicals some people's metabolism are messed up because they're eating too many calories and so when you think about how a medical system would address a problem on that level it's sort of mind-blowing right mm-hmm. and so it really goes back to you have to be an agent in your own health and wellness and it has to start with nutrition and lifestyle it has to start with how you live and what you're eating and when you were talking about like do we need more information or like you know because it's kind of like to me nutrition should be very basic it's like yeah. you know a I'm, I'm like the lady that's, um, you know, mo- everything in moderation, variety, obviously as organic as you can get it and as close to um, the farm as you can get it is the best, right? But we don't all have access to that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when we talk about um, information, like where do you mm-hmm. get your information and how do you weed out some of all this nonsense nonsense (laughs) just crap it is it's nonsense there's so much nonsense out there and i i I mean when somebody says i can't eat vegetables i believe them and when someone says i can't eat meat i believe them because our physiology our basic physiology has been the same for about a million years like human beings physical needs have been relatively similar we need sleep we need sunlight we need clean water we need human connection um But the one thing that has been very responsive to the last 70 years, and I say 70 years because that was about the time that the Industrial Revolution kind of took hold, especially with agriculture. The one thing that is very responsive to that, to our environment, is our gut microbiome. And so it will change quickly. And what we are seeing, or what, you know, in my opinion, what we are seeing and what the biggest impact of that is we are losing... Um, bacterial diversity in our side of our gut and when you pass and you pass your your um, I call it like a bacterial blueprint off to your children the next generation gets what the last generation did or didn't have and when you lose a keystone species of gut bacteria you lose function somewhere inside the body and that's significant and I think that that's the thing I want everybody to sort of like tune into there's just so much junk out there there's people that are screaming at this thing and that thing and I'm carnivore and I'm, you know, a vegan or whatever. Like they claim it as an identity. It's not a freaking identity. It's what you're eating. And it, you know, what is your gut responding to? If someone says they can't eat vegetables, I look at that as a temporary situation that needs remediation. If someone says they can't eat meat, again, it's a temporary situation that needs remediation. It's not a lifestyle choice. And so, because we need, we need meat. We need the amino acids in meat to repair the tissue. We have tissue repair needs every day. 
and we need the vegetables with the enzymes and um, the fiber and you know to create the short chain fatty acids and to also then help our liver detoxify so we can't have one without the other we need and again it goes back to that balance thing but then somewhere along the lines when that conversation around balance came in the food pyramid showed up and was like oh hey balance you know means in this context six to six to eleven servings of you know bread a day well that's baloney nobody needs six to seven servings of bread a day and it really was you I mean i think people are cluing into the fact that the the dietary guidelines are heavily influenced in the same way that the american medical association guidelines are heavily influenced by insurance companies those nutrition guidelines are heavily influenced by food industry um, you know, money. And so I think people are waking up to that notion. And, and I think for some people that's terrifying. I think they're like, oh my God, like, what do I do? And, um, <clears throat> you know, and I think it goes back to, we just have those basic tenets of the human body. We need protein. We need mm-hmm. all the amino acids. We need vegetables. Um, and it's not just about what we're eating. That's the other thing I think that's really important is that we all realize now um, after COVID, not, I mean, not quote unquote after COVID, COVID's like a thing. It helped just uncover some stuff and yeah. But I think it be... helped us realize that we need other human beings in our lives. Like we need that contact and those connections so immensely. And I talk about local food a lot because in my mind, just getting this understanding of what the importance of soil is to not just our health, um, but the health of, I mean, the health of the planet is such a big term, right? But when we think about carbon and we think about water cycles and we think about the direction that we're heading, we think about the temperature um, and these temperature fluctuations that are so profound, um, that are really testing our resilience environmentally. I think that when we, when we get involved in this conversation around nutrition, we have to understand that we are a part of our ecosystem that we live in. So, um, you know, I don't want to ever come across as a food zealot, but I see a lot of people going to Costco and just giving away their money to these industrial supply chains that, pardon my French, don't give a fuck about me and you. They don't give a shit whether they destroy the environment, whether they're stealing water, from the communities that they live in, whether they're paying their employees enough, they don't care. And I, that's the thing, is I really want people to understand that buying local food isn't just about the way that it benefits us. And it isn't just about the way that it benefits the climate. It's how it benefits the community and the economy and the social justice issues that we all say, that we're all seeing and we all realize are a problem. Um, the, the impacts are basically, in my mind, a solution to 90%, maybe 99% of the problems that we are experiencing, seeing, and feel powerless to have agency over. But that's, that's, um, that's the thing. And I've said this, I think I said this a little bit earlier, but this is about agency. I essentially would like to work myself out of the job. <laughs> I would love it if everybody felt this like emblazoned, impassioned, orientation around gaining agency over their own health and the health of the ecosystem that they live in. I cannot, I cannot control what's going on in Washington, DC. I cannot control what is happening in different places around the world, but I can 
talk to the people in my community about what I see and how important I think this is. And something happened for me, you know, I got, I've had these educational experiences and these opportunities, but nothing, nothing ever gave me the perspective that I needed to have in order to just keep going and running my mouth off about this until I became a mom. And everybody, my perspective on every human life changed entirely. And Mm -hmm. I I don't want to sound like a weirdo or like extraterrestrial or anything, but everybody became precious and important to me at that point. I mean, I remember sobbing and I don't think that makes you a weirdo. I think that makes you human. (laughs) Well, I mean, I just remember like after, because I, you know, I can be kind of cynical and I can be kind of like rough around the edges and whatever, you know, same. same, uh, you know, it just comes with the culture and firefighting and, or wherever you're from. If you're from New England, I think it yeah, comes with that. Yeah, the asshole is here. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're a little cynical is, too. I think that is absolutely appropriate and, and wonderful. And I, but I remember sobbing after my daughter was born. And it wasn't like hormonal. I'm not, not at all. It was this absolutely appropriate response to this observation, this awareness that I had gained about, look at this person. Look at this person that I brought into this world and everybody was this person at one point and it just like shocked me I remember sitting next to my husband on the couch and he's gonna be pissed that I'm saying this but he <laughs> cried too we were both just crying and like oh my god and every per- every parent out there mm-hmm. has know, had that oh shit moment had that moment where you're like wow look at this I mean it's mind blowing and that changed my orientation around so I know people get negative about talking about food there's a lot of I would say their attack campaigns around this idea of local food or or around elevating nutrition because there's a lot of industries that stand to lose out if people take the mantle or grab mm-hmm. the bull by the horns and say, screw you guys, you've had your chance, I'm out. And I think that's the thing I'm trying to like get through to people right now. It's like, look, General Mills, um, Nabisco, uh, you know, Tyson Meats, they all had their chance. They had it, they blew it, I'm out. It's mm-hmm. like going back to a boyfriend that's a jerk, you know, like mm-hmm. not into that. Yeah, it's abuse. It's abuse. <laughs> it is. Mm-hmm. It really is. And it, they're just not entitled to a spot in my plate, in my house anymore. And, and on your plate. And I on like my that. plate. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I look at that. And I really feel like children are so precious. And children, they know what's real. They know what's real. And you can, you know, to anybody out there listening, try and experiment. If you have a young person in your life, get a farm fresh anything and stack it up next to a store-bought anything. I don't even care what it is. Egg, carrots, carrots. Yeah, I mean, you can taste the different. Like, I grew up just munching on carrots because they were sweet. Um, That's why I've got 20-20 vision. But (laughs) it's the only thing on me that's not broken. When we talk about our bodies, we'll get into that another time. But um, the difference, yeah, between the grocery store versus the farm stand. I mean, the flavor is immense. And, like, your backyard garden. Like that pepper and that basil is never going to taste as good. No, and and that goes back to what is in the soil. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to how the plant was grown and cared for. And those sensations, those sensory experiences, like I have this post I did with my kids where we're blindfolded them and I tried this carrot and that carrot and I said, which one's from the farm and which one's from the store? And they, you know, of course guessed it. But those sensations, those, those communication links between our brain and our taste buds are integral 
we've evolved with those things for a reason. They kept us safe and alive and we've adapted. You know, again, it's back to that thousand year old physiology. Those came with us um, and they exist for a reason. So when I talk about local food, it tastes different. And yeah, for some people that's not even an option and I get that. Like, can I can I talk yeah. to you about the option though? Because that was one of my questions. Is like some people feel that wellness is out of reach or too expensive. Mm-hmm. Just wellness in general, and and that being the local beef or you know um, the local farm stand versus just the the Costco version of it. So how can we make simple things like healthy food accessible to all? And I know we can both get on our soapbox and really go for it. But like, <laughs> yeah, like you're sure. I mean, we talked about it on the phone that day when we were yeah. when we were meeting. But like, how you know. Where do you think it starts so that, you know, the people that have, um, that are privileged enough to shop locally, right, um, with their extra income, or maybe they're putting value on, a different value on their food than other people, right? And that, that switch mentally, but how do you see it becoming more accessible? Yeah, that's such a good question. And this is, I think, the crux piece for so many people on deciding whether they want to get involved in this conversation or make these changes or not. And I think that the big thing is we've got to step back and look at we've got to reframe we need to reframe this is the this is the era of reframing and this is the thing look at your food in terms of your wellness budget how much are you spending on medications how much are you spending going to the doctor how much are you spending on things that don't matter i mean i don't want to like be negative or i don't want to call anybody out this isn't about shaming anybody but if you look at the things that we gravitate towards, I mean, there are people that are fine spending $40 on an Abercrombie and Finch t-shirt. But then when you want to talk about food, they're like, well, that's too much money. And I'm like, that's bullshit because that t-shirt means nothing. That will be nothing. That will be waste eventually and so on and so forth. And you will get nothing out of it. And the people who made that t-shirt were enslaved, I guarantee you, in a third world country and their lives are so it's a step back and looking at the wellness budget piece so if you are somebody that's like discovered that oh boy these chemical pesticides might be contributing to some of my health problems i should just go to organic you will be sad to find out that that isn't going to work because organic processed foods suck they are they are not good for the environment. They're not good. They're not really not that good for you. I mean, they're, it's like, again, processed food that has all of the health ramifications associated with it. It just doesn't have the chemical input. Organic is as destructive to soil systems, maybe a little less than conventional and it's just like the conventional agrochemical is this process are you talking about or like fruits and vegetables because i'm like learning right now okay. I'm like so like yeah yeah um so because i didn't know that yeah so this is the this is the big important thing what creates healthy microbes in the soil is diversity above ground and so a lot of people, like there are people down in the Bitterroot who are doing an excellent job farming and tending to their soils, add you know things back in like leaves or grass or wet compost. Um, but when you're um, organic, there's a lot of tilling involved. Tilling is how you manage weeds. That tilling cuts off 
it's a constant disruption to this development, growth, health, and proliferation of soil microbi the soil micro microbes. So it's not any different than chemicals. In that Talking sense. about like the mono farming, where it's just like all beets or all apples or all like is it well, is that the problem? No, I mean, I mean, you know, Max and Katie down in the Bitterroot, they will grow a field of kohlrabi, but then they'll you know put something over the top of it once they harvest it to give back to the soil. But mm -hmm. a lot of these organic industrial um, companies will just till, 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 and then those the microbes are disrupted in the soil. And that is essentially what that communication from the soil to the plant is essentially how nutrients get into the plant. Mm -hmm. Chemicals do the same thing. They, they kill, kill, kill the bacteria um, that will develop, you know, whatever, whatever wants to grow there. So I'm definitely not a soil expert, um, but I am somebody who's focused on how does nutrient density get into food? What is the key factor there and it is it just goes back to soil and again you can't really talk about nutrition unless you're talking about growing practices because otherwise you know like you can go to an industrial like a grocery store or whatever and you can buy organic stuff but it's just going to not it's just going to be deplete it's it's going to have less of the nutrients that that plant would have had because it's not getting that communication from the soil um, and a lot you know, that kind of happens in our bodies too. Like, so when we eat vegetables, there's a whole sequelae of events that happen. We digest it, we break it down, and then those fibers will go and create short chain fatty acids, which then communicate with every organ system in our body. Our gut is connected to every major organ system in our body. So it's not that if you eat organic or if you eat conventional vegetables that you're going to like keel over and die. <laughs> No, but you're probably experiencing a lot of the symptoms that I experience, which is just like, again, more fatigue and bloating and mm -hmm. um, brain fog and sometimes headaches now at 38 years old. You know, like, I mean, I want to be conscious of our time, but do you also, uh, with some of your clients, talk about hormones, especially as, oh, yeah. as we age? Because again, it's like, it's the new, it's like the new conversation. And I think it's just because I'm at the age of 38. Like when you're 28, <laughs> people aren't talking about your hormones. Um, but there are plenty of 28 year olds with really yeah. disrupted hormonal balance. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, I, I started to shift at 30. I mean, that was when everything started to change with mm -hmm. my gut and everything. Interesting. Um, I could eat and do whatever I wanted. And then at 30, I couldn't. And so now I'm on this mission of like trying to figure it all out and see, you know, and I feel like I eat fairly healthy yeah. and I'm promoting um, you know, this book and everything in moderation and I try to do as much organic as I can. But again, I, I definitely know that I'm not getting the nutrients that I need. So then it's like, then we do supplements and then we do this and it's sure. like, yeah, you know, it's like, we don't, we don't have this perfect world that we want. Um, and especially people like we live in a beautiful place where we have a lot more access to these things, I think than most. And so if you're in a big city or other parts of the world where you just don't have the access, like, that breaks my heart too. Yeah, it's, That's it's like, how do we? It's crazy, and I guess like back to the original question here that I feel like I just went down the river of tangents. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a big believer in rising tides raises all ships, so I am super done with this shit that gets leveled at me. Somebody who's speaking and saying, "Hey, like we've got to focus on local food systems." I'm done with that being considered an elitist message. I think that that group of people can need they need to be quiet <laughs> i get 
what it's like to not have access to food. I, I mean, we never, we were never in a position to not have enough food, but we didn't embrace of you know access yeah. and we didn't embrace like quality. It was like my mom, my mom was so poor growing up. They, her light, her they didn't have enough money for electricity. So, do you think that she was thinking about like? Well, I mean, she knew how to grow. She knew how to grow a garden, so that was nice a few months yeah. out of the year. But I mean, most people are some. A lot of people these days are just struggling to put food on the table, and so when when this kind of food, when the grocery store is your only option, or you yeah. think it's your only option, <clears throat> um, I mean, that's what you've got to deal with. Yeah. And so yeah. I think what we're trying to say is like we've got to give people better options and, on a bigger and, scale. And there. Right, and I can only focus on Missoula. Absolutely, there are places in the state where if you go out east, you go to a grocery store, you're going to find nothing but industrial supply chain food. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very scarce. Um, it is a real challenge, and I'm not saying yeah. that it's not at all. What I'm saying is I can only focus on what I can affect change on. And well, and we should be encouraging the listener to start to do the research in their own community. And if yeah. this is something that they're passionate about... Um, and it's just bringing like-minded people together, which is what we're doing. I mean, we didn't know each other, and here we are. And I'm sure we're going to continue this conversation and and hopefully do some you know bigger things in Missoula. I'm like all about getting the whole town to compost and yeah, like that's absolutely. like like that step one. Great. Like let's do it. Um, <clears throat> so I think that um, you know this is the thing in in Missoula. There is so many ways to engage. <clears throat> there is zero reason not to. And I don't care what your class background is. I do I do realize that life presents different challenges and class is absolutely a part of that. And I am not here to to negate any of the oppression associated with people who feel or or literally don't have the time or the money. That is true. And then not to mention the fact that when you know you're struggling not just against like how to get food on the table, but literal existential threats to your existence because that is real. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm trying to communicate is that the people who think they can't, I want them to step back and I want them to look at their overall budget and not think about it as like a food budget, but you're looking at this as a wellness budget. This is a, what is my wellness budget? Not what do I spend on food, but how do I take care of my health using the basic tenets of nutrition? And I think that's pretty accessible once people, if people don't have enough information and they get that information, I think that they can make those shifts. And it's not something that you do whole hog overnight if this is a brand new thing for you. It's something that you just take little baby steps towards and integrate as it is natural and not overwhelming. That leads me to my next question. What simple choices can someone do to make steps towards health and wellness today? So. Like, again, even if it's still shopping at the grocery store, like, do you have any yep. tips? I mean, just 100%. for, like, the first thing someone can do, they, they listen to this and say, I want to make some changes. Where do I start, um, you know, on this on this journey? Well, I will just say there isn't anything that I can offer you with nutrition that you can um, remediate. You can't remediate lack of sleep with nutrition. You can't remediate um, overtraining or lack of movement with nutrition. I mean, you can help kind of offset some of the strain, but it's not going to undo it. Um, And then you can't, you know, you can't blue, like blueberry your way out of like um, a heavy pharmaceutical situation that maybe you don't need, like birth control pills. I'm just going to, I mean, anybody who follows me on Instagram knows that I share (laughs) about that regularly. And, um, but 
Other things too, you need clean water and the tap water in Missoula will keep you alive. Like it's not, but it does have chlorine in it and it does affect our gut microbiome. So I really recommend that people filter their water. Um, but then beyond that, buy whole foods and cook at home. That actually is not as expensive as you would think. It's more time expensive, it's more labor intensive, but it's not necessarily financially more expensive. You can go out to a restaurant and you can spend $30. Well, these days it's wild, right? Food costs are insane. So it's almost, I mean, yeah, it's just wild. I mean, to to eat out. I mean, and I'm, as a restaurant person, I know why the cost (laughs) is so high and people are working hard and paying their people, but absolutely, yeah, cooking at home has always been the the more cost-effective option. And like, for me, it's all about like soup and we're in soup season, but how healing are soups and like they're a really cost-effective way to use cheap ingredients and make something so healing for your body that can like be easily absorbed and broken down. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I think we all love soup. And I I agree with soup 100%. And I also encourage people like getting your protein needs met, getting your amino acid needs met. Really, really good idea. Kind of expensive for a large family, but I really recommend buying the cheaper cuts of meat and roasting them Mm -hmm. because that one is very healing for the body. Our bodies are really attuned to slow roasted meat in the winter time, especially. Um, And so all of that fascial tissue is going to break down slowly in the oven. And then it's going to be very bioavailable collagen, very, very bioavailable collagen source for the body, which is heals and seals the gut helps, you know, rebuild skin tissue, muscle tissue, um, every tissue in our body relies on collagen. It's one of the most abundant proteins in our... I just diet. made a pretty dank pork stock yes. from the um, pork bones at Mountain Meat Shares. Shout yes. out to Mountain Meat Shares. That's um, right. If you are a parent or if you are anybody, anybody, Jen is a good resource. Reach out to her. Ask her questions. She will help you. I mean, she's, yeah. she's on the soapbox with me about cooking at home. And so she, she'll... You know, be able to answer your questions. She'll make it a feasible situation for yeah. you. Yeah, and Mountain Meat shares like, again, check it out. I mean, it's they do mixed boxes. See, I mean, CSA mixed boxes. Um, and there's a whole podcast on with Jen about that as well. But they do make it again affordable. But I made so I made that pork stock, and you know it's all liquid. But then I put it in the fridge, and the whole thing had gelatinized, yeah. and I was like, ooh. This means it's got all the good stuff in it. So, I mean, because sometimes your broth is still very brothy yeah, and there's yeah. a little fat on top. But this was like, yeah. you know, it was the good stuff. So, I yeah, it. I know. I like the cheap meat. for Not cheap meat, the cheap cuts. The cheap cuts. Yeah, yeah I mean, because I mean, that's. It's there for you. And I, like, I'm a huge fan of that. I'm. My oven's been broken for like 10 days and it's been a little devastating. I've been borrowing my neighbor's oven. <laughs> like, <laughs> we got to get that fixed. I know. We got to get, got to get on that. So anyways, yeah. So what's for supper tonight? I. What's a go-to for you or what do you got planned? A go-to. I'm not going to lie. I love red meat. Mm -hmm. I've really been, um, my gut's cultivated to it. I'm completely, you know, capable of digesting it. It feels very nourishing for me to eat. So tonight I think that we're going to barbecue some ribeyes, which I'm so excited about. Mm -hmm. Um, But normally on a normal night, um, gosh, we do eat a lot of red meat at our house because that's, we buy a whole cow. Um, and then my husband hunts, so we've got that. And then we, oh, that reminds me, I've got to get our pig. We <laughs> order the pig and then sometimes we'll get fish. But, you know, so meat's always on the menu. Um, and 
tonight, I have no idea. It's going to be a surprise. I'm going to show up and I'm going to eat whatever is made and it's probably going to be awesome. My husband has, we've been together for a long time and he's listened to me. And that's the other thing I think that's really important is this, these things have to happen in a household. It has to happen with everybody because we share our gut microbiome with our housemates or our partners or our children, all of that. So when you make a change, everybody's got to get on board. And as I have kind of fine-tuned what is it that I need like this year or this six months, because I'm 44, I'm going to be 44, and my hormones are changing and I have different needs. And so what is that? And my husband's super open and interested in learning and supportive. I think that that's the key piece is that he wants to support me. And I think that most husbands, if it's framed in the right way and it's not, they don't take it in as an affront to their masculinity, are super supportive. I mean, find a, find a man out there who doesn't want their partner's hormones to be balanced. Like, right. I mean, life is good when we're, uh, when we're, when we're feeling good, you're feeling good. Everybody's happy. We're all feeling feeling good. good. Rising tides raise all ships. I love that thing. Well, and so I'll take us out. Um, any last words of advice or words of wisdom? I do want to, you know, plug sustainable wellness. If somebody's out there listening and wants your coaching, um, again, it's really, it's all wellness, but you do specifically do, um, athletes as well. So people training for races or yeah, do you want to expand on that? I've worked with athlete populations. I've worked with teenagers, teenage athletes. I mean, that's a really critical time to make sure that you're supporting your physiology because you're developing. And so I have, I wish I had somebody like you when I was 16 because I, I just I like beat like my body apart doing sports <laughs> and was eating like Doritos and Oreos fat, and fat free oh, everything. just, I mean, <laughs> fat free everything, but also just like whole pizzas and I mean, it was your kid. They go, you can do whatever you want. And it's like, if we could have started this whole journey a lot younger, I would be feeling a lot better now. And it's nobody's fault. It's just, I didn't have the information. And so, I mean, I just did, you know, I just did what I yeah. kid, what I thought kids would do, which is go hard and my body will be fine. And now, oh, yeah. and now that, we're and still, We still have that mentality. And I think that we are becoming increasingly, I hope we're becoming increasingly aware that these young people these precious people that are in our lives, they need us to fight for their resilience right now. And it isn't about being fanatical. Kids don't need to know things about nutrition. That's just not appropriate. It's more of like you having a healthy relationship with food, you deciding things for your health, and then, you know, just feed your kids and love them. And you don't need to talk to them about you know, this has been that and whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I've worked with athletes. I've worked with teenagers. And I wish I had someone who could teach me about that when I was a teenager. And to make the connect, make the connections. I think <clears throat> that's what I really strive for people to do is make the connections in your life. What is it that you're struggling with? And what is it that you have agency to change that's affecting the, the situation that you're in? Um so yeah, I, I just I really want people to have agency over their own well being. Um, I want them to to roll up their sleeves and focus on things that matter. Um, your your son or daughter having the perfect soccer uniform and being on the perfect team, not not so critical. Not so critical in terms of like the long term goal. Like what's the big north star? We want our kids to get to adulthood and we want them to be healthy, resilient, um, awesome people that can solve problems because. 
they are coming. Yeah. <laughs> problems the problems are, here, are coming. And they're not getting and any smaller. food is like number one. I mean, it's like, again, when people don't think about food is like, again, it's not, it's like, it's an afterthought. It's like food is like, it's a survival. We can't survive without it. And so for people to not put that much thought into it is, it is wild to me because we're not going to have all these other great things if we don't have the things to nourish ourselves. So it's like one thing does have to come before the other. and We need a functioning food system, and yeah. currently we just don't really have one. And so, Well, I appreciate you like doing the research and sharing your story and coming to share it with us. And I'm excited to learn you know, more from you as we continue our friendship and yeah. our relationship and hopefully to do some cool things here in Missoula and beyond. Um, so, you know, we'll be keeping you all updated. And if you want to learn more, um, about Jesse Thomas and Sustainable Wellness. It's sustainablewellness.net. That's correct. Sustainablewellness.net. My Instagram handle is sustainable, at sustainablewellness. Yeah, her Instagram is great. Follow her. Um, that's a great way to just get tips and tricks and a good laugh in the middle of the day, which is always <laughs> great. <laughs> so I appreciate you and your content. But um, any other plugs while you take no, us out? thanks for having me. And, and uh, yeah, again... I'm here to help and I'm here to work myself out of a job. And yeah, let's, so, let's do it. Yep. Healthy community. Let's go. <laughs> All right. For more information about Charlie, the chicken mushroom, head to Charlie, the chicken mushroom.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook. We have a YouTube page. So check us out. And if you like the information you're hearing on this podcast, please share with a friend. We appreciate your support. And as always keep on feeding yourself, mind, body, and soul.